Well, hello everybody and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. Maybe we should call the name of this program, change it to Wednesday Live. Um, yeah, maybe, we'll see. My name's Ron Crawford, I'm the pastor at the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and I'm very happy to be able to say hello to you today and to my congregation part of this church here at the Father's Church. Hello. And to all of our Saints Network family across the world. It's great to be able to share the word of the Lord today and a unique directive that we believe that is from the Lord uh, in regard to prayer. Now, aren't all directives to prayer from the Lord? Well, of course. But most prayer should be to the Lord. When God says, you need to be praying about something, that's a different thing entirely. So, just point of clarification there. do want to remind all of you that our spring Saints Network seminar is coming up in just two weeks. In fact, two weeks from today, our official opening session will be beginning. Prayer will already be convened here in the sanctuary, and we're very, very excited about welcoming our network family here. It's called The Presence. And if you have not visited uh, the registration site on our, or the registration opportunity on our website, please do so and please register. Whether you are part of this local congregation or whether you are going to be joining us uh, in person from some other location or whether you're simply going to be joining us on live stream which is available to you please register and that helps us to send notifications to you during the week or um, to get a hold of you regarding other parts of things that will be offered during the seminar so please do that and additionally for all of the members of my congregation here in Dallas Tonight, we gather for prayer in our sanctuary at 6 p.m. This is going to be a, a different type of a gathering in that we have asked the congregation who come to choose beforehand whether you are going to pray in the sanctuary or pray in Peace Chapel. They're adjacent to one another. We don't want you to do a 50-50 where you just skim back and forth. There's a reason for that. And each of these uh, locations are going to have a different point of assignment in them. But um, let the Spirit guide you to where you're supposed to be before you know what that assignment is. Because if we told you what the assignments were, people would start doing a, a brainstorm to figure out where they want to be. And that's not what we want tonight. So, 6 o'clock, just come and immediately pray, begin to pray. And, um, and then, as it was detailed in a, an email earlier this week, we will, uh, we will do some really specific things. And the end result is going to be a really potent word, a potent word from the Lord. Um, I believe that Monica Terrell is going to be sending out a, um, 
an MP, Marco Polo uh, video, to the members of this congregation, and um, for those who will actually be here. So um, look for that. Okay, we have been um, observing a five-week progression of prayer leading up to our seminar. So this week and then next week are the final two quotients of that five-week plan. And this week we are asking God to affirm not only what we are called to be as individuals, but to also affirm, recognize and affirm the vitality of what he has given us in our terio, in our histeme. And we began on this past Sunday to talk about the need for us to open ourselves to the Lord to find out if there be any vulnerability within us. Here's the thing about human nature. Usually the vulnerabilities we have are things that we don't really recognize are vulnerabilities. We know they are, they're there. We regret when they express themselves after the fact. <clears throat> but usually we don't do anything to correct them preemptively. And now there are some things that are just wide open for everybody, including the person, to see. Like if you have a temper and you get into fights, I mean, you can't hide that. You have to know, you have to know that that goes on. Or if you do some other kind of miscreant behaving, um, that's, that's not a hidden vulnerability. But to me, the most devastating are the things that are, that are ingrained within us that we should have submitted to the Lord. So we've asked the Lord, if you haven't heard Sunday's message, go back and listen to it. It's available to you on archive. Uh, we've asked the Lord to, to shine his light on us. Because if you want to talk about the strategies of the enemy, the devices of the enemy, the adversaries that come against us, they're going to be looking at what you give them. That's true in any sport. It's true in warfare. If you are wise at all, you, you take what's given to you. And maybe that's enough to gain you the victory. You utilize the terrain. You just don't go in and say, well, bless God, we're going to do whatever we do, and the anointment will be enough. Yeah, that's great. How much more anointed could the table of the Lord have been during what is known as the Lord's Supper? I mean, how, that's an apex. Hey, I saw the painting of it of Michelangelo. You know, I, I've seen that in, in uh, Milan. Um, but the enemy was there and the disciples were all dealing with their foibles and issues and um, how do you know the enemy was there? You didn't see him in the picture? Well, read the Bible sometimes. As soon as Judas did whatever he did, when he turned down the opportunity to be right with Jesus, immediately Satan entered in. That's what your King James says. So the enemy was there waiting for an internal challenge that he could take advantage of. And so that's what we've been asking God to, uh, to touch in our lives. And we open ourselves for that. 
However, we also recognize that we need to be aware and not ignorant of what God has given us in our place, where he has assigned us, where through the power of the cross we've been sent by the Father to establish God's control. What is that place? Even what you know about it, there's more to know. The deposits of the glory of God are amazing and living and active. And, um, and what is it that the enemy would like to stop? What is it that he knows that he hopes we don't know? See, these are all factors. And um, so today we want to look at uh, a couple of scriptures. Um, now, the assignment that we gave to our church and we invite all of you to pray you know we're doing this here we have a seminar coming here I'm the pastor of this place so at some point I have to talk to my people with all due respect and love to everybody else who's out here we who we know and we cherish at some point there has to be in-house deliberation and dealing because if we aren't what we're supposed to be there's no reason for any of you to come so for anybody who thinks well you're just talking to your congregation I'm giving you principles that should be applied wherever you are whether you're in a church or whether you are a prayer group or whether you're an individual these biblical principles are of no individual subjective interpretation it's for everybody but I'm speaking to my congregation for our prayer time tonight to prepare for all of you to benefit and you have to give me some latitude to do that just about everything we do here is live streamed so if I talk about a Marco Polo or something else don't get all up in a in a tizzy because you don't have that deal with your own house <laughs> you know be more concerned about whether you've got the directive for what you are supposed to be doing I'm preaching right now aren't I Maybe I'm meddling too. Fine line between them. So the official assignment for the prayer directive that we laid out several weeks ago, which has been available for you, it was spoken about on a Sunday morning, so it's there, was that this week we recognize that there's a great and effectual door open, but there are many adversaries. And in that directive, we also talked about our histemi. Now, in that passage, adversaries is anakemi. And um, that really speaks about what God has called you to be. Sum in the Old Testament is equatable with kemi in the New Testament. It is what Paul said, I am set, kemi, I'm set kemi for the defense of the gospel. What you know your identity is in God. What you are called to be. Not what your ambition says you should be. That gets people into trouble. Do you know how many people we've lost over the years? Because expectations for them did not meet in reality. And then it was everybody else's fault that they didn't rise the ladder as fast as they should have. Or what they thought they should have. Just... Be what you're supposed to be. That's enough. Do that well, and you'll be pleasing to the Lord. 
You know, the disciples dealt with jealousies. They, uh, they were argue at one point about who was the greatest among them. One time, Peter looked at Jesus and pointed over to John and said, what's going to become of this guy? And what did Jesus say? What is that to you? You just be what you're supposed to be, Peter. You just be what you're supposed to be. And a lot of people are good at being what they're supposed to be, but they've got their eyes set on something else. And that's a vulnerability. You know, I, I am here. And, you know, I was trained to be a pastor. I whether I said it or not, and I can speak probably for thousands of pastors, so don't say, oh, Pastor Ron said this. It's very, there are very few pastors that just are pure in their thinking. Most of them, yes, they love the Lord, but they have ambition. They have five-year plans. They move up the ladder. They're successful here so that they can move into a district office or they can move on to some bigger church or some bigger terrain. You know, that, and, and they say it's the will of the Lord, which it might be. But most of them have ambition. Years ago, when God touched us, I knew at a certain point that I was at the point of no return. Initially, I thought, well, everybody will want this. Then when I recognized not every Christian wanted it, then I started to have to deal with it. Because initially, you know, I, I, was, I was really of a pure heart, you know that. And I thought that people were, were going to want what God was doing, what was in his word. And then I thought, well, soon this will spread. And, and then there were people who had visions, lots of people, about throngs of people that were coming to line up to get what God was giving. And when I recognized in real time that we were being refined, it didn't deter me from my, um, my goal in serving the Lord, but it, but it did make me recognize that what my, my assessment, not my ex expectation, but my assessments of how this message was going to rec be received were totally off. And God did expand the theater of operations across the world in a miraculous way, one that we never expected, to where thousands upon thousands of people in many nations are God appointments and are being discipled and are, are receiving this message. But here at the home base, we're a seed. Boy, that, that took some that took some acceptance. And I'm not going to go through all the details of how it affected my family and uh, and so forth, but I recognize that my ministry as a pastor, and whether then it expanded into the fivefold and apostolic calling, I do believe we have an apostolic calling. That's showing itself. The fruits, by their fruits, you'll know them. That's showing itself. And you're part of this. Um, but I recognize that what I initially 
thought might happen. It wasn't my motive. God revolutionized us and changed us. That was because we wanted him. It wasn't, hey, if we do this, this is going to happen. Um, I, I knew, though, that, that um, my, my assessment was not accurate. God was doing what he said he was going to do, and it was his will and his way, but it wasn't in the way that my mind, or even pride, if it entered in, would, um, would come. And so, at every point of our transition, God caused me to submit myself and to humble myself before him. You know, before we became an independent place, where the enemy staged a, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. Some of you get real antsy when I talk about this because it's touching your holy cow of your past. But the way we were treated was horrific. The lies that were told, the accusations that the enemy inspired people to make were, were ridiculous. And we had to die to self. And I knew as I saw those happening, that my quote-unquote career was gone, was obliterated. You know, when you had former leaders and current uh, denominational officials telling you that you were a cult and you weren't scriptural, which was the core of, of scriptural, was the core of who we aspired to be. It's where I had made my life a hunger for the Word of God, to be told by individuals I felt like the Apostle Paul in some ways where he's standing before people that or Jesus I'm not I better get off that topic but at some point I recognized that my personal ambitions from the time I entered the ministry yes it was ultimately to serve God I knew God had called me but the think that we had about how this was going to play out all of that was done. And I knew we'd face the point of no return, and I had to say, though none go with me, we'll follow. And I'm grateful for our congregation who did the same, because the, there were pressures on all of them, but yet they followed. They followed the Lord. They Yes, they honored me, but they followed the Lord. There's not a person here who is here because of any other motive than that they followed the Lord. So, knowing what God has called you to do has nothing to do with your ambition or what your pride says or what your ego says. You know, I used to hear people who'd say, well, you know, I've got a lot of power and the enemy's after me. I knew what the enemy was after them for. It was their pride. Well, God's telling me I have to stay. Well, why is God having to tell you over and over again you have to stay unless you have a problem with what he's asked you to do? And then finally, you, you nurture that. You keep, you keep re, uh, resisting God. The scripture, we talk about it Sunday to some degree. You're going to be suddenly cut off and that without remedy. Why? Because you've set your course. So God is dealing many adversaries where a great and effectual door is open. Pray, there are many adversaries. It's against 
How committed are you to what God has called you to be? Are you willing to die to self? Are you willing to say with David, search me, know my ways? See if there be any wicked way. I want it out. That's between you and the Lord. But then, in your point of assignment, there are going to be a lot of there are a lot of scriptures that talk about how the enemy, when he withstands, he stands against you. It's against your histemi holdings that God has called you through the power of the cross to establish. So you've got many adversaries, many that would like to take you out of what you're called to be. And some of them may be, we've seen the enemy and it is us. Some of them may be in you. And then when you deal with that, then others are affected by that. They either cave to your nonsense iniquity, or there's friction, or where strife is, then every evil work comes in. Do you see that? We've got to die to self and be humble. And some would say, well, Pastor, I get really uncomfortable when you talk about the things you just talked about. Maybe you should just be healed with that and be done. Really? Do you think no other pastor is dealing with this? Did, you, you know, did you ever grow up when you were a kid? You know, some of you have been making a book of remembrance. Aren't you glad you're doing that? Maybe you shouldn't tell some of those things. Why are you doing it? So your kids and your grandkids can see this is what we faced. This is how, through the Lord, we overcame. If you just sweep it all under the carpet and call it forgiveness... We should forgive. But if you just do that, you're not helping anybody. I wish I knew some of the things that my parents dealt with. They were simple people. They didn't talk about them. To a degree, I'm glad for that. But to another degree, I wish I had known so that I could have learned. Because those same things to the third and fourth generation I've had to deal with. It would have been nice to know. I've prayed over my daughters and my, you know, the grandkids uh, that the blood of Jesus would cleanse and sever any kind of uh, generational iniquity that would revisit upon them. I don't want them dealing with this stuff. So to not talk about it is ludicrous. Now, there are some people that all you hear is about, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Let me help you out with that. And they'll just beat a dead horse. Some people will let you know at every point how you hurt them. And they just keep bringing it up. We met a guy not too long ago on one of our trips who had a bone to pick with our house. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it had any legitimacy. But I asked for forgiveness. But this person went to 15 other people from my church and were telling the same story. And then the next time we saw him, he started it up again. And I said, enough. Whatever your issues are, are now your issues. We, we ask your forgiveness. And we prayed about it. But some people, they just wear their problems as a badge of honor. You need to get over that too. But to speak candidly about what the cost is... For following Christ that's discipleship do you know how many pastors we're facing 
in conferences and in meetings and in Zoom gatherings now per month. It's a full-time job, which God prophesied. I remember being in the Dallas Convention Center once for a, uh, a big gathering when we first were being changed. And the ministers from Argentina, the great revival that happened down there, were, were here. And one of the evangelists prophesied over me and my group and they kept coming back. They'd say it, then they'd come back. And they, they it reiterated that thousands upon thousands of pastors would receive what God had given us. They didn't know who we were. We're seeing that in South America now. To what degree do you think I should warn these pastors? You know, we have a brother who pastors in the African nation of Benin. Do you know what he suffered because he decided that he was going to pray in the Spirit? He was going to study the Word. He was going to be on his face before God in obedience to the Scripture. Do you, do you know how much he suffered because of that? How much his family suffered because of that? Do you think it was good for me to tell him, look, this is what we face. God is with you. Here's the end result. God will help you. Or should I have said, no, I'm not going to mention that. It won't help this brother. Because the enemy's good about that, isn't he? He'll make you think that you alone on an island in the universe are dealing with this. Nobody else does because God doesn't love you. The best thing we can do is to not have bitterness in our heart, but to testify. And I, I regularly have to bless those who did unspeakable things. Many of them are with the Lord now. It's, it's his problem now. But... I've, I've, had to, I've had to go back because the enemy will sniff. He seeks what he may devour. He'll come back and he'll, he'll somehow influence. They thought, oh, can the enemy do that? Read the Bible sometime, will you? How did the enemy show Jesus all the kingdoms of this world? How did he do that? If he could do that to Jesus... He can, in some way, perhaps influence your thoughts. If, and if you, don't, if you don't guard over your thoughts and submit them to the Lord, you'll go right along for the whole two-hour movie. So, I, I continually have to say, I bless these that curse me. Do I want to do that? Well, I know I'm supposed to. And I have to just be honest with you. Given the time of the day or what might be going on, I may not want to do that. It is an ongoing sacrifice before the Lord. And so, essentially, you, you, my dear friend, in the doors that God has put before you, your calling, and I mean a clear understanding of your calling, not your ambition, not being the girl in the corner office, not being the one who is up there right at the right hand, and where you can call it as you see it. That's ambition. And who would want authority if God didn't want them to have authority? Listen, I'm telling you, you've heard the phrase, heavy is the, on the head is, is the crown, or um, heavy is the crown upon the head of the leader. You know, it's said in a number of different ways depending on which language you read it in. Um, you better know that you're serving where God wants you and doing 
you got enough to do doing what you're supposed to do. And that's where the enemy will attack. There are many adversaries. Wouldn't it be something if Paul was said, you know, uh, pray for me. There's a great effectual door open to me. That I'll have strength. That I'll have an anointing. That people will hear me. There are many adversaries. Many that don't want me to fulfill what God has called me to be. Whatever that is. However small. However great. You, in the eyes of people, the greatest among you is the servant of all. Be that. Do you think Jesus washed the disciples' feet because he thought, hey, if I do this, these guys will really notice how humble I am and maybe they'll follow me? Uh-uh. That's ridiculous. That's some people's mo motive. I'll, I'll make myself available, people will notice. That is a good maxim for a job environment. Make yourself indispensable. But you should be making yourself indispensable because <laughs> you're doing everything you do for the Lord. He's watching you. That's the only one that really matters. And, you know, fame is fleeting. Why am I spending so much time on this? Because that's been our agenda for these first three days. That's why. And if I don't say it enough, you might just skip it because you don't like what I'm saying. Oh, I'm perfect and pure. I don't have to hear this. No, you're not. What does the Bible say? If we say we have not sinned, we lie. We deceive ourselves. There's always something that we're going to be being perfected in. And the, the main way that the enemy will attack you, many adversaries, many varied, is your ambition. That part of you that assesses your career or ministry path um, and that's your calling in your eyes. No, it's not. Your assessment means diddly. Usually what God does is far different than what we, than what we devise. Oh, he's always going to be true to his word. And that's one thing. The way God has moved through this network in the nations, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. But I would never, well, I don't want to say that. I, I never did deduce that he would do it the way he did it. We just got to follow and obey. If you're willing and obedient, you leave the good in the land. It's not if you've gone to the most expensive thing on the menu and you insist on it, you'll eat the good of the land. No, you be willing and obedient. And that's it. Uh, you know, and see, if we don't understand that, then we're always having problems. You have problems with the leader because he's not noticing me. The other people are being given opportunities that I think I should have. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And it's probably the case that that's why Judas rebelled. It wasn't God's fault. It's Judas' fault. That's why Sihon from Heshbon, we looked at it, the other Sunday, read, hear that message from Deuteronomy 2. He resisted what God wanted him to do. And his spirit became, his spirit became hardened. 
We don't want that, do we? Of course not. So just be faithful. The Lord is with you. But the adversaries are against what you are called to be. And I came on. Where God has called you to serve, do that without any quid pro quo in your thinking. Well, if I do this, God will do this. Well, you know, I'll do this for a couple of years, but then, God, you got to move me up. Uh-uh. You think David thought that way with Saul? No. Well, we could go on and on. There's lots of examples of that. What about Joshua? You know, I used to hear somebody talk about how they were Joshua. And I recognized later that what they were really saying is, one day Moses is going to be gone and I'm going to leave. If Joshua thought that from day one, he would have been killed in his first battle. Do you realize that? Anyway, we haven't even gotten to the passage that I feel God wants us to say today, but at least we have the next 30 minutes to do it. All right, so we talked about, um, we talked about many adversaries, but now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Actually, we should probably read. Um, let's read from verse 5, just because we should. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. I hope you have your Bible program, because we're going to use it here in a minute. hope you took advantage. You didn't buy your Starbucks and you... You bought the program. It's the best investment you'll ever make in, in money. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. Look at those words when you get the chance. Study them. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him Pericaleo, that means, to, oh, you poor thing. No, it doesn't mean that. It means you. Come over here to what you're called to be and be it. That's what Pericaleo means. That's what paraclete means. It's not God's AAA service. When you broke down alongside the road, he comes to comfort you. Have you ever heard those nonsense? Isn't, you know, my grandma used to have what we called a comforter, and on those cold nights it would just wrap around you. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He just comes, and that's how he's the paraclete, the great comforter. Really? Look at what this word is. You are called to serve and to get with what God has called you to be. It's not that he's called alongside you. It's you are called alongside him. Get that, get your bearings straight. Lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. You know, the word speaks further about if a brother be overtaken in a fault, you which are nematicos, you bring him back in, considering yourselves, lest you also fall. That's not our message for the day, but that's another verse. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him, for to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. 
lest, here's our verse, Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Three things. First of all, this business of forgiveness. But you can't just have forgiveness without expecting people to do what's right from that point on. Paul, I don't know what this guy did, really. But it affected many people, and particularly Paul. He said he forgave on behalf of Christ. And he encouraged these people to do it too. But with the caveat of, you bring him in, and you make sure that he is now positioned to do what God has asked him to do. So forgiveness is not just, oh, you're forgiven, go forth, I forgive you because I'm such a, such a loving person. If you just forgive somebody without saying, all right, let's look at this. I ask you to forgive, I forgive you, but what really should have happened here? Get to the point of it and then demand that this doesn't happen again. Make sense? Lest Satan should gain an advantage of us. Advantage of us is a really unique word. Like if you click on Olive Tree on us, you see this really unique word, pleonectio. You don't have to know how to pronounce it. But it really means to have something that um, is an overreach. You know, Ask for an inch, take a mile. The enemy has already done something that caused difficulty. And you need to have the process of forgiveness and realignment. Don't give the enemy more than what he has already brought about in that wounding. And make sure that you don't then think, yeah, I'm forgiving him. And we're telling more for I want to keep an eye on that guy. He's going to pay. Oh, I would never say that. But are you thinking it? In the deepest recess, the echo of that, do you think it, you feel it? I can tell you the enemy will, will try to make you think that. You all have reassessments as if the first time through wasn't enough. Paul says you really have to forgive and align so that this thing doesn't extrapolate, so that it doesn't become infected, so that it doesn't get interest over the years so that it doesn't grow in scope you know that's sometime with stories some you know I'm really going off here we still have time when people would leave this house I remember there was one person who left and I knew why they left they knew why they left I was anything but loving and gracious to them. I was that with them. I'm just speaking candidly. And I grieved when they left. Once they left, it seemed that with every telling of their story, things changed. And they, pretty soon then, we had abused them. I had abused them. We'd done horrible things to them. And that anybody who was around them, you better take my cause up and you better be against them too the enemy it's like a little leaven leavens the whole lump a little offense leavens over the years it just grows have you known people like that it's almost like they have to add to it so that they can feel 
And if you were really honest about it, you if you knew these people, you'd recognize other times where they did the same thing, where you knew they were just flat out lying. But yet, they'll find a way to touch a sensitive place in your life, and they'll say, oh yeah, let me tell you. And as soon as you start agreeing with them, that's, that's a sip of the poison. You're done. You'll start thinking it. So, we, we want to... We want to have forgiveness. We want to have perfect alignment. Sometimes people need to, to go to some other location. That's of the Lord at times. But most times, the enemy will try to gain advantage. He'll take the initial issue, whatever it might have been, even a non-issue. And if he can, he will extrapolate it outward to where it's compound interest. And then, you know... It's like what the Bible speaks about, uh, failed grace, root of bitterness. And it what? Defiles many. Yeah. Satan taking advantage. You've got to forgive and get right in your own heart. And you've got to make sure that you affirm that parakaleo. This is what God's called us to do. This is what God's called you to do. Let's make no mistake. We're going to be right here. We're not looking for vengeance. We're, we're going to be right here. Because we don't want the enemy to take this and mushroom it. It's, it's, you know, the enemy doesn't need a million demons. If he can affect a person, I've seen people, godly people. Look at Saul. The Bible doesn't say that King Saul, that David was attacked by legions of Beelzebub warriors. He had enough in Saul. I mean, I've seen people who can do the work of, of ten, ten legions of demons just in their own nasty human spirit. You have too, probably. Hellcats. Well, that's a hellion, that person. Rightly named. And we can say that as an observation. And that, hopefully you've told the people, just read the box score. This is their batting average. This is what he does. This is, it's, it's not a matter of innuendo. Look at it. If we just be a bit wise, we wouldn't let the enemy then add insult to injury. That's advantage. It's very interesting. So, we're not ignorant of his devices. Some people ignorant, agnoeo, they're agnostic. They just want to get on past it. They don't want to learn anything. They don't want you talking about it. Now, again, we, we've already beat this. We can't keep bringing up old hash. But you better make it clear, this is not acceptable. This is what should be. Yeah, that was regrettable. But we're moving on in the Lord now. We're not moving on so we can do the same thing again. We're moving on now in the Lord. It's not how you fall down, but if you get back up and go forward. It's not if you fall down and get back up so that you can fall again and have other people fall. And the way you do that is just the way you would teach a child. Look, honey, I know this hurts, but just next time, don't do this. So, we're not ignorant. We want to learn. We have determined that we're going to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. That's important.
But what are his devices? Click on that word, you see it's noema. And this means to have an intelligence, a disposition, a mindset. But I want you then, if you have your Bible program, and if you have Olive Tree, I don't get any percentage of kickback from them. It's just so that we can all, when we do a study like this, we can tell people what to do. If you've hit on the word and Noemi pulls up, look at search down there at the bottom left. Click that and look how this word is used. Our signature passage is there first. 2 Corinthians 2.11 we don't want Satan to get an advantage. We're not ignorant of his devices. Chapter 3, verse 14. We're just going down through these. Their minds, here's our word, were blinded. For until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which way is done away in Christ. This is talking about the Jews, but it's also talking about any person who is trapped in tradition who don't want to hear what the living word is saying today that is a device we've lived that haven't we and we, we've got to pass by that in our own thinking with the word of God as our anchor and light but we've got to say let your word speak to me be it unto me according to your word so a device can be the veil. What's the next one? Second Corinthians 4.4 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world. We know this being. We've seen this. We've studied about this. But it blinds the minds. An occlusion. A fog. Um, hopefully you're not believing the progressive foolishness you're not even believing all the right wing theories uh, if you noticed I'm just going to touch on this and we're going to move on that the Department of Energy and several of the FBI director yesterday this past week were saying that it's pretty clear now that the COVID difficulties came out of that Wuhan lab Hmm. A couple of years ago, it was racist to say that, wasn't it? It was, it was anti-China bashing to say that, wasn't it? And you heard this throughout much of the media. And, and if you even said such a thing, you were banned. That's the political and the media arm of the God of this world. What are they saying now? Don't believe everything you hear. And I mean everything. It goes both ways. Now, I'm more right-leaning. I don't trust what the progressives, I don't trust what the left says. It's nonsense. And much of it is wickedness. It's just true. But I also don't believe a lot of the stuff to the right of me. The God of this world is working overtime. We're not ignorant of his devices. Let's keep looking. There's not just a few more. Casting down imagination, 2 Corinthians 10, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
and having in a readiness to arrange, revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trust himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again. This is the same thing Paul was writing earlier to the Corinthians. you got to bring into captivity any kind of device, miscreant thought pattern. Some of that's in you, some of it's just out there. Some of it we want to believe, but it's not God. Let's keep going. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is Christ. Hmm. Simplicity there means without self-seeking. It's the same thing that we've been sharing, isn't it? But the serpent will come alongside, as God said. You know what? He's keeping you back. He knows if you do this thing now, you'll be like him. He's just trying to keep you. Now, we know that story from Genesis. Do you know that story is still there? It's on the internet. I've even had Idiotus uh, come to me and say, Pastor Ron, have you watched this video? Um, and it, it just disdains God. And it's doctrines of devils. This is the same thing. But the serpent comes and brings that device. The last one, the last of these words that describe devices. It's Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, the objective of what God wants, which passes all understanding, shall keep, notice that, shall keep your watchman, your hearts, and the hearts are what you've chosen to do and to be, and minds, there's our word, through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Keep your mind, your thoughts on the objective given by the Prince of Peace to accomplish what he wants to do through you as you're doing what he's called you to be. It passes your understanding. Hmm. So there from a word study that your little old self could do, you click on the devices of the enemy and you see that it talks about the initial thing we were saying in 2 Corinthians 2 it speaks about religious mindsets it speaks about the influence of the God of this world it speaks about how um, our own imaginations influenced by the enemy um, will come and will try to assert themselves but you have to arrest them and submit them to Christ and your calling as an anointed son it talks about how the enemy would try to beguile just as the serpent did with Eve. Demonic doctrines. And it, and it warns us to keep following the, the, the peace of God as a prayerful person. By everything, by prosuke and diesis with Eucharistia. This is, a, this is our word. Let your requests, your petitions be made known unto God. This is prayer. We've taught about every one of these prayer words. 
The peace of God which passes understanding will keep your hearts and minds. There it is. It's a pretty good study, isn't it? Some of you have begun to count. Let's count. One, a two, a three, a four, a five, a six. There's six of these. Six is the number of man. It's also the number in the seven spirits flow of the spirit of glory and of God. You've got to get a grip on this if you're going to fulfill what you're called to be as a human. And in conjunction with our God in his glory. Well, that's it. Let's let the Lord keep working in us. And let's, um, let's not miss the moment of what God's doing this week. Whether you're here in Dallas, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Arizona, whether you're in New York, West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana. Where else? Anybody else I'm missing? <laughs> France, Switzerland, Belgium, Luxembourg, any of the African nations, Maryland. That's another, I forgot another one. New York, I said New York, New Jersey, Georgia, there's lots, forgive me if I didn't pronounce your state, it's Brazil, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Peru, Mexico, I saved you for last, Yawali, let's do this before the Lord. Don't let your ambitions lead you down a path that will destroy you. Let God's Spirit shine a light. Because then, that's the beginning of triumphing over the enemy. And you will stand where God has called you. That's why communion, Holy Communion, has the living word, sprinkling of the blood, and the bitter sop. Let's deal with it. So for those of you in Dallas, we'll see you tonight in prayer. Those of you across the miles, if you're going to be joining with us in prayer, we welcome you. Do it as unto the Lord. But this is God's week. It's God's hour. Let's be what he needs us to be. God bless you all. Thank you. And uh, goodbye.